Welcome to the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a weekly podcast for writers. Grab a cup of coffee, perhaps some paper and pen, and enjoy an interview with an author, a chat with a writing tool creator, perhaps a conversation with an editor or other publishing expert, as well as Kat's thoughts on writing and her own creative journey. You'll laugh, you'll cry, well, hopefully not actually cry, but you will probably learn something, and I hope you'll be inspired to write, because as I always say, you have a story, you should write it down. This is Pencils and Lipstick. Hey everyone, welcome back to Pencils and Lipstick. My name is Kat Caldwell, and this is episode 171 of the podcast. It is February 28th as I record this, but this is going out on March 6th. But today is launch day for Launchpad, Countdown to Writing Your Book. And so it has been a pretty busy day today. Um, I wanted to get this in today because I just have the energy to talk about this book. I've been talking to several people today about it, and I am really excited to share it with you and with everyone who I know um, is a writer. I think it's a really great book. We're going to dig into it even more with Emma Desi. She is the top author and the one of the organizers for the book. So it's put together like an anthology, I shall say. Um, and there, so there are several people who have contributed to this. Um, even if I hadn't contributed to it, I would buy this book because everyone has brought so much energy and knowledge to this book, to each of their chapters, that um, I think it's just going to, it, it needs a space on my shelf next to all of the other craft books that I have. So I want to talk to you guys about the idea of craft and this idea that a lot of writers I work with, and to be fair, um, I used to think this too, we think we have like this innate talent with writing, which means that we don't have to learn anymore. Um I used to reject all of the rules of writing, the idea that you should write every day the idea that you should workshop and receive feedback, the idea that um, you should write scenes several different ways and read books as not just as a reader, but as a writer and an editor. Um, so there's just all these different ideas that we have when we're really young. Um, you should only write when when inspiration hits you, you know, I have worked with young writers and I have seen myself in them. And I just think this is part of sort of growing and maturing in each aspect of our life. You know, it'd be boring if we matured just because we hit 18 in every part of our life. Um, so, you know, we have to go through that growth journey and everything. And writing is a talent. It is also an art form. It is also something that can be learned. Um, I think that a lot of people can learn to tell a story. It matters really on whether they want to learn to tell a story, if they want to be good at it, if it interests them at all. And yes, yeah, some, some writers are so talented that they will blow us away with their novels and they'll claim that they never ever took a class or learned anything about writing, that it was just that intuitive. Um, 
I don't know who that writer is. I've never met them <laughs> or even seen like a, a webinar on them. Uh, you know, like Stephen King wrote a whole book on craft. Several writers will write their book on craft and Lamont wrote one. Um, you know, most of the craft books I have are written either by um, storytellers or story consultants, John Truby, Lisa Crone. Um, so people who are obsessed with story and all of them realize that you can learn to tell a story. You can learn to write. Um, and I think it's just like any other art. You might have a really good eye with art or photography, um, metal work. I don't know. There's so many arts out there, right? Pottery, all these things. But in the end, there are certain rules. There are certain laws that govern them. I'm thinking of pottery in that. There are certain um, restrictions on the art form. Like if you want to become a painter, there are certain ways that you have to learn to use your acrylics and your watercolors. And and it's only after you sort of learn all the rules and the correct, quote unquote, um, way to use those um, mediums is when you're actually allowed to go out and then break those rules, right? And so I know I talk to you guys a lot about this, but just keep in mind that you don't have to do this alone and you don't have to not, you, you don't have to feed that ego voice in your head. Let's say I thought that as a very young writer, I mean, I started trying my hand at writing short stories and novels when I was about 16. And so I really thought that if I had to take a class, that it meant that it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. And I desperately wanted it to be my talent, to for it to be what I should be doing in life. And, you know, that's just immature ego, I guess, is what I would call it. And honestly, it took me um, years to even have the confidence to go take a class because even in my 20s, when I had that desire to take it, I couldn't see the value of spending the money that it would take for it. And I just felt so out of my depth. I was so uncomfortable with the very thought of going in front of people and having to hear criticism and hear critiques. So it took me a while. And so I understand, I understand if it, if it's an uncomfortable idea that you should learn. And so that's, what's great about books, right? You can learn these things about books. I wish that I had known about craft books. I don't know how I missed that, but I really didn't know that there were craft books out there that could teach me the craft of bettering my story. And so when I was editing my first novel, way, way back, the novel that nobody nobody will ever know about, um, I just sort of got in this rut of continuing to tweak you know, the same thing over and over instead of really understanding what was missing from the story and learning how to arc the character better and the story as well. And you know, tossing the scenes that didn't need to be there, um, developing my characters further, all these things, right? So I didn't know that there were craft books that could help me with that. So you guys, in 2023, with podcasts, with videos, YouTube, with um, the Google, <laughs> you know, with the fact after COVID, there are so many courses online now. Um, you know, you don't really have an excuse. You can find something that will help you, somebody that can help you. A book coach is a great way to really have a 
in-depth craft crash course into storytelling and how you can better your book. But if you can't afford a uh, book coach, there are workshops. I run workshops. Beth Barani runs workshops. Writer's Digest runs workshops. I'm sure there are workshops in your local area as well. But these are going to be ways for you to to learn more and more about your story. And I know I've told you before, but I still take workshops because I want to know how someone else's is writing and how they see story. There are so many ways to write a book and most of them are correct. <laughs> let's say, um, if you, let's, let's say you, you can really pick up, um, a, a book by me or a book by Louise Erdrich, which, you know, <laughs> that my name and her name should never be right next to each other, obviously. Um, or Dan Brown. And the, all of us, all three of us are going to have written a story completely different. Even if you give us the same prompt, we will come at the story in a very different way. But what's different from us than, let's say, Cat Caldwell from 10 years ago, is that we will come at the story with a strategy on how to, how to, arc the story. You know, um, before I would have come at a prompt with just sort of allowing my imagination to go into it. And of course you want that as well. But now when I'm giving a prompt, um, I come at it with a more, with more strategy and trying to understand where's the story in that, because you can have a beautiful scene, um, a beautiful anecdote, a funny joke, <laughs> a funny occurrence, an interesting occurrence, but not all of those things are stories. So one of my favorite things to do is to sign up for the NYC Midnight Contest. I encourage you guys all to do that. It's nycmidnight.com. Um, they pretty much start in the fall, so you're in, in right on time for 2023 to get on their newsletter because they give you like certain parameters. They give you a certain character, a theme, and an object, I believe, that has to be within the story. And so that's the whole prompt that you have. Oh, a genre, sorry, a genre. Um, and you have to then find the story with, with those three things in it, right? And that is different than just writing a scene. And you know, I've been learning this throughout the years. So this book, I feel like Launchpad, The Countdown to Writing Your Book is really going to bring in so many of these elements that I talk about all the time into one specific spot. I encourage you guys to check it out. If you click the link below, you're going to get my PDF countdown on characters. I think that you would understand it better if you read my chapter in the book, but you are free to download the PDF that is free for you. So check it out. The next time that I do a character workshop will be on during the Write With Us online writing retreat on May 16th and 17th. And I know I'm talking about it before the links are ready for you, but I just sort of want to get that in your head. Um, I will be doing a character workshop during that time, um, as long and as well as many other people, Emma Desi also will be teaching during that time on mindset, the author mindset, and how um, mindset 
affects everything that you do, basically. So we'll talk more about that, and the links will be there in the show notes. But download the PDF, go ahead and take it, try to apply it, use the prompts. And if you want more, just be on the lookout for that Write With Us online writing retreat. So this week, we are going to get into the author interview with Emma Desi um, right after I talk to you about the people that I love. <laughs> I only talk to you guys about products that I really love um, and that I only recommend things that I use personally. So we're bringing back Plotter. I'm going to tell you why I like them, why I've changed my mind on not plotting at all, and I am trying to become more of a plotter. It is where I store um, my story ideas when I have a new book. And we are going to tell you about this week's book of the week. Launchpad, The Countdown to Writing Your Book is a brand new craft book that gives you the literal launchpad for your first or next book. If you need just the right balance of inspiration, skill building, and a toolbox of writing craft tips, look no further. Learn the secrets to show and tell, how to build the perfect scene, and really get to know your characters. Each focused chapter of this book brings authors and would-be authors closer to the creation of a story well told and ready for publication. There are even free downloadable PDF top 10 countdowns for every chapter. Learn more about Launchpad, the countdown to writing your book at launchpadcountdown.com or buy it wherever books are sold. Plotter, P-L-O-T-T-R.com. What is Plotter? It's an online outlining system. It helps you visualize your plot points. Plotter lets you easily arrange and rearrange your scenes, plots, and character arcs so you can quickly find your way to the end of your tale with no corkboard required. You can quickly outline your book with visual story cards, filter your timeline by characters, places, and tags, color coordinate your storylines to keep them organized, flip the timeline to view it vertically or horizontally, and so much more. Now that sounds really great, doesn't it? And it's one of the reasons why I tried Plotter about a year and a half ago. But I just, I guess, didn't get it. It didn't mesh with me and how I write. I like my journals. I like my cork boards. (laughs) But after talking to Troy, I gave it a try again. And over Christmas, I plotted out what I've already written of Cornered. So I basically took the inside outline of Author Accelerator and put it into points in a plain, like no template plotter outline. And I have to say, I kind of like it. (laughs) So I guess I'm more of a write as you go and then outline it. But it really helped me visualize the story. It helped me go chapter by chapter, which is what I always tell you guys to do. Read it and then write it down, the plot points of that chapter, make sure nothing's missing. And to be perfectly fair to Plotter, it helped me realize that I needed to move chapter six to like chapter four and then move five and four down. (laughs) 
So I was pretty surprised by that. It was a big revelation that I'm not sure I would have seen had I not been going chapter by chapter and been able to just sort of type things out and move things around. Of course, maybe I could have done it in my journal, you know, but you can't really move things around in your journal. Sometimes you forget your journal at home, which is the worst. And if you like that, I upgraded to Plotter and I have it on the cloud now. And if you don't upgrade, you can just email you yourself your outline. I don't know, guys. I played around with it at Christmas and I have to say I'm converted. I don't know if I'll ever get to the point where I'll outline before I write, but I do like this idea of outlining after I've written it, which is something that I talk about with Troy in the interview as well. I think you guys should at least check it out. It's P-L-O-T-T-R.com. If you have any questions, I'll give you my honest opinion about it. You can tweet me at Pencils Lipstick, or you can reach me on Instagram at Pencils and Lipstick, all spelled out, or catcaldwell.author. And I'll answer you as best I can. I have my affiliate link below where you can click on it and you can get over to Plotter and you can just fiddle around with it for a little bit. I think that you might as well try it whether you want to become an outliner or you want to see how it works for your editing. Emma Desi is a novelist and book coach who specializes in helping beginner authors break through their creative blocks, boost their self-belief, and write their first novel. She helps you improve your craft, she provides feedback on your written work, and she navigates you through the emotional roller coaster of finishing a novel. You can find out more about Emma at emmadesi.com. That's E-M-M-A-D-H-E-S-I.com or click the link below in the show notes. Hello, Emma. How are you doing today? Hello, my dear. I'm very well. It's lovely to be here with you. Yes, thanks for coming on again. Um, In case anyone is new to the podcast, would you introduce yourself? Oh, yeah, sure. And so I'm Emma Desi. I am a author and a book coach, and I'm based in Edinburgh in the UK. And um, in my my own writing, I write uh, domestic suspense and thriller. And then in my coaching, I work with debut novelists, with first time novelists, which is uh, a real thrill and a joy to be part of. Um, So, so yeah, that's who I work with and what I do. And you'll find me kind of most places hanging about. (laughs) Yes, you have a great we were talking about last names. You have a great last name in that no one else has the last name as far as I know. (laughs) So if you want to look up Emma Desi, you will find it. Sometimes so the spelling, right, as we were talking about before. Sometimes there's an H in there. It's definitely a tricky name for people to get it's d-h-e-s for sugar i and i know not many people have it and in fact in scotland we are the only ones my family we are unique (laughs) nice feels good to be unique you know yes i I thought that i was unique because in wisconsin i knew no other caldwells and then you get out into the real world and facebook becomes a thing and you realize there are like a million (laughs) maybe if i grew up in english i think so I think yeah. so. It sounds English, right? And Caldwell. It does. British. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere, somewhere around there. So probably maybe they even put something together, but it's not unique. So there's even more cats out there, cat Caldwell. So. 
Well, anyway, Amadezis, actually, I have described it. I like you. I did a like a Facebook search and a Google search, and there's a, a, I've come across seven. So there's at least seven really? of us. That's yeah. interesting. Okay, mm. so it must we'll... be related somehow as well. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll leave aside the family DNA. We'll do that <laughs> on another, <laughs> another show. But as this, as we're recording this tomorrow, Launchpad: The Countdown to Writing Your Book is coming out. I guess uh, it will be out by the time this goes out. Um, so I wanted to talk to you about this book, Launchpad, The Countdown to Writing Your Book. I'm going to just say Launchpad for now. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about how this book came to be, because it's a really interesting and I think unique concept. I think so too. Yeah, I do. So um a mutual friend of ours, Grace Salmon, she um, came to me and said, I've got this idea for a trilogy of books and I want you to be the lead author on the first one. So um, Countdown, Launchpad, The Countdown to Writing Your Book is the first in a trilogy. So then there will okay. be Launchpad, The Countdown to Publishing Your Book, which will be mm. coming out soon. And then a few months after that will be Launchpad, The Countdown to Publishing Your Book. So it really is a a one-stop shop really for anyone who's wanting to write publish and market their book yes and she had which we all do (laughs) very few of us want to stop at some point in that line (laughs) (laughs) I do once you get sucked in that's it you've got to keep going through to the the end but the reason she wanted to put this together is Grace is one of these amazing women she's has so many wonderful ideas and not only does she have the ideas but she she makes them happen yeah and so Launchpad is the name of one of her, she calls it a radio show. Um, and it is where it's an opportunity for writers to come in and talk about and let people know about their. I don't think it's particular, I don't think it's specifically debut novels, but they're new novels coming out. Mm-hmm. And if I remember rightly, this came about because you know, through COVID, like so many things for authors the opportunity to go and market their new books that were coming out was just it was completely um put a stop to because nobody right. everything was shut of course um and in fact I've got a friend who's only now she published her book in um at the end of 2019 I think it was and is only now doing her her tour right. you know, her her marketing tour um so there was an it was just an opportunity for writers to come in and talk about their books and, and try and reach a new audience um, and through the course of that and the conversations that Grace was having with her guests, she realized, you know, let's take this, I take what we're learning here on the show and put it into a book so we can reach more people and help more people. So right. that's when she reached out to me to um to do the writing one. And she reached out to a lady called um Stephanie, who uh is the owner of Red Penguin books um and a lady called Mary Helen Sheriff to do the marketing as well so it's been lovely working with all of these women it's been really really great but for me one of the things that was two of the things that were the most interesting for me and why I thought this was really something special was this was going to be an anthology Mm-hmm. And I had just finished reading an anthology on how to write called Swallowing the Whale. And it's a beautiful, beautiful book. And the contributors come from many, many different backgrounds, whether it be um, novel writing, poetry, art, graphic novel, a whole mix. And one of the things that I really loved about that was that 
um, you got different people's experiences, different mm. people's um, approach to writing right. and how they explained things was different from one person to the next. And yeah. I really appreciated that. And of course, there are some that you resonate with a little bit more than you do others. But you're getting a really rich, diverse approach and um, level of experience from all of these different writers who come together and, and share what they've got. So it was just serendipity that I just finished reading that right. book when came to me. Were they were they writing about kind of the same thing in swallowing the whale? It was different topics, so different areas. Okay. Some of it was um some of it was more about the writing life, i.e., how do you tap into your creativity? Okay. Some of it was about how do you uh, do the actual writing. Some of it was which I love. I think you love too, Kat, the the mindset stuff, the yes. the confidence <laughs> issues. Yes, you know, all of that. <laughs> that's half of it. <laughs> Because it's so important, isn't it? I mean, that is managing your mind is half the battle to finishing the book. Oh, yes. Um, And marketing. (laughs) Yes. yes. (laughs) Um, So I really appreciated that. So that was serendipitous and uh, just worked in perfectly. But the other thing that I really loved about what she said is I want this to be really actionable for our readers. Right. Um, Because as you and I know, it's all very well to read a book and go, oh, that's really interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I like what they've said there. But actually, you don't um, you don't take it in. You don't absorb that knowledge fully until you put it into action. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you start implementing what you've been learning, that's when you really get to make it a part of your body. You make it a part of your writing process and it starts to become second nature to you. So you stop thinking about it. You just do it automatically. And so at the end of every chapter in this book, there is a top 10 countdown, keeping with Mm -hmm. that launch pad uh, launching theme. There's a top 10 countdown of things that each uh, contributor of the chapter thinks are the most important that you need to uh, and would recommend that you really put into action. Those are the things to do if you want to see progress in your writing, progress in your publishing, progress in your marketing. Um, so for us, and I'm delighted as well, because Kat, you, you very kindly agreed to be part of this project and have written a fabulous chapter on how to develop characters. And um, we, we cover all sorts of things. And if someone right. reads your chapter and they do the things and go through the top 10 that you have recommended, they'll make real leaps and bounds in how they think about their characters, create their characters. And as you say in the chapter, that's what keeps someone reading. It yeah. Is, yeah. What, what, what that person is experiencing, feeling, going through, how believable they are, how flawed they are. Um, and that's what that's what really a reader is invested in. It doesn't they'll if they love that character, they'll follow them anywhere. Yeah, and, that's true. That's what we're all trying to do, right? Is to I mean, we want to create a world too, a lot of genres, but the world can be great. And if you don't like the character, you won't continue watching, reading, whatever. Um, but I I really like this countdown idea because I don't know about you, but I will read craft books and I'll get really antsy about wanting to put into practice what I just read, (laughs) you know? And like, I actually get annoyed when the craft books are like, don't pick up the pencil yet. And you think, okay, I'm a writer and you're telling me not to pick up the pencil yet, you know? And I don't particularly have time to finish a book in one sitting or even five sittings, you know, it it can take me quite a while to finish, especially a nonfiction book. So I'm just like, 
I want to pick up my pencil. <laughs> like, I don't understand why. So I love that it's there's different themes for each and like put adding more suspense. You know, there's a chapter on that. It's like, and that's really conflict, right? And making mm-hmm. that that sort of cliffhanging feeling that you have to keep turning the page. Well, I want to learn more about that. You know, I want to read this chapter and then put into practice. Okay, think about my characters or the book ideas I have, and how can I really sort of do these exercises so that when I sit down, maybe it'll just flow, you know, or maybe mm-hmm. I'm just learning how to add more suspense. I mean, I cannot wait to read that 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 chapter or pretty much every chapter in this book because I haven't been able to read them yet either. <laughs> maybe by the time this goes out, I'll have my copy. But I mean, I think that that is one of the really like the key components to this book is is those ten countdowns. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a brilliant point that you make that we do want we don't want to read the whole how to book before we start delving in. We want to be able to apply things straight away. And um, I think it's in my introduction that I do say to people, you know, read each chapter, read it again, do the countdown, you know, and you can delve. And what I love about it, too, is you can delve in and out. Right. So um, each each of you listening knows what stage you're at with your book and where you're kind of needing the most help with right at this moment in time. So you can go straight to that chapter and read what the contributor is saying, say about scene structure. I love scene structure. Um, and it's Joe Bunting from The Right Practice. Mm-hmm. He's one of the best, yes. <laughs> yeah, he really knows his stuff that way, doesn't he? Um, so I was thrilled when he said, yes, you'd be part of this. And that, you know, scene is just so fundamental to structuring your scene is so fundamental to that cause and effect trajectory mm-hmm. path that you want to be leading your, your readers down. And when you understand how it works and how you can break a chapter down or a scene down into small bits that one naturally leads to the next to the next, which then the magic of it then naturally leads into the next scene not only do you will you have an aha moment now I see how I get to make sure my readers turn the page but it makes your life so much easier I was just gonna say like (laughs) as the writer you're not like wait a minute how do I get them there and why are they not there yet because somehow all right we could have tons of ideas and if like vague ideas and you sit down to write and you think "Eh, okay i Yes, I don't really, you can put a lot of words on the page, let's say, and mm-hmm. not really know where you're going. And scene structure is one of those things that you and I kind of started writing a, a, at the same time and not in the States, right? So we didn't have access to, you know, writing workshops that were local or community colleges or, you know, even in, you weren't in the UK. And so mm-hmm. that... um we were just sort of stuck with whatever internet there was in 2010. (laughs) There wasn't that much. I don't know about you, but it felt very like, like not like not close at hand. Like I couldn't really grasp a hold of why I needed scene structure. I had a story in my head and I just, you know, it was just a mental job just to get it on the page. But if I had been able to not pay $600 for a class that didn't work with my time zone, (laughs) you know, maybe, or whatever it was, I think even at the time I talked to my husband about traveling to California and he was like, that's going to be like (laughs) $5,000 in the end, you know, for a class. Um, If I had had this book where I could just at least grasp the concept as a new writer, you know, and then I mean, even now I consider myself not a new writer, but I'm going to be reading that, that chapter because it's just putting it 
inside of us, right? And if I had just had a little grasp, I wouldn't have gotten to 140,000 words and had an editor tell me to cut 50,000, you know? That's what I was trying to get to. As the new writer, there are different mistakes we make as we go along, you know, or there's more to learn as we go along. But that, especially if you're a new um, that's what I'm talking about, that you don't overwrite, that your scenes really are concise and they're moving to the next one that's relevant, not mm-hmm. just that's beautiful in your head. And then mm-hmm. even as one, you know, I'm working on, I've finished, it's now in the drawer, the fifth one, and I'm working on the sixth one. I'm still thinking about what I've learned and now I'm, I still want to learn more, you know, like how do I go into this scene? What needs to happen? Because I don't know about you, sometimes I I have the grasp of the scene, but I still have to think that question. What are they going to do and what what happens next? That like, and so, or like, so what? <laughs> like, what decision are they making? Mm-hmm. And it's great to read 3,000 words and be like, that's right. Okay, let's go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, now I it simplifies. It doesn't... It, it just it's like anything it's like we have story structure it's so that we have that skeleton to hang it on and we right. we just it just makes like our life so much easier rather than scrambling around in the dark um and so when we have that somebody once said to me oh isn't it a bit formulaic to have a structure for your scene and I was like I don't know I thought about it then I was like no I, I was thinking to myself later it's not formulaic it's it's the guidelines it's the rules it's the the boundaries that we need to make us more creative um and right. it's the boundaries that we need to know that we're doing the right thing and we're on the right path and we're l- learning our craft in the right way yeah I think um, there's rules to every art right and for some mm-hmm. reason writers think that they don't need to learn their rules but I think you need to know the rules in order to break the rules hundred percent hundred percent and it can feel frustrating when you you just want to go with whatever is in your head and just be creative and let it all hang loose but and you can do that of course but no one is going to want to read that they want to read something they can follow and that makes sense to them and so that's when we have to bring either start with the structure in the first place or we can bring it in in revision which yes um, (laughs) thank goodness (laughs) thank goodness we have options you know we have options (laughs) but talking about kind of doing uh planning ahead we in the book we've also got the wonderful lewis yorstad who has contributed a chapter on outlining and i know we're both a big fan of lewis he's fantastic um and he introduced all of us to a new phrase so we of course we all know pantsers and we all know plotters but he introduced us all to puzzlers and maybe someone's listening and there's a uh, something that drops, a penny that drops and goes, ah, that's what I am. I'm a puzzler. So it's, I think puzzler. we all raise our hands at that point. <laughs> We're like, wait a minute. I'm not a panther or a puzzler or, or a plotter. So when Lewis said, what is a puzzler? We were all like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Tell us what, what did he say a puzzler is? So a puzzler is somebody who they have, they don't write linearly. So I write, I don't know about you, Kat, but I write very linearly. Um, I don't plan it ahead, a discovery write, and I start at the beginning and I work my way through. But a lot of people, more than we thought, it seems, certainly in the meeting we had the other week, most people were puzzlers, whereby you have a very, very strong image in your head, a very, very um, clear picture of a scene or a moment in your story, and you, you get to writing it and you get it all down. 
oh, and then you have another very clear image or idea for another moment in the book and you get taken away in the moment and you write it down. And then there's another one, a third one. Now, all of these scenes, they're all taking place at different parts in the book and the storyline. They not necessarily, you know, might be one scene from the second act, then one scene from the third act, and then one <laughs> scene from the first act. And that is how the book for Puzzlers comes together by piecing all those jigsaw piece puzzles together little bit, little bit by little bit until eventually you get the whole picture. Right. Um, and when we, Kat and I were part of a, doing a call the other week and it turned out that the majority of people on that <laughs> call were... considered themselves a puzzler. <laughs> you might be the only suspense author that's not a puzzler, honestly. <laughs> we'll have to poll people and we'll see. I mean... I it makes sense though, right? Especially if you're busy and I mean this makes sense on so many different levels. If you have an idea for a, a scene, you're going to want to write it out cuz you're a writer. You just you need to get it out, right? So I can see why and when he said that um I have suggested this to some people when they're stuck in one spot to actually, and they say, I know where they need to go to be at the climax. And I have told writers, write out the climax, mm -hmm. because then maybe you'll see, maybe they're not that far away, or maybe you're going in the wrong direction, right? You've just written scenes that are sort of out. And last year when I had to toss my manuscript, I actually took my own advice, which is funny enough, many times we don't take our own advice. <laughs> we claim it's for thee, but not for me, you know, so I took my own advice and wrote the, the climax and it didn't end up being the same, but I did realize there were certain things that I were, I was kind of stuck on, like, because I had written the scene and then I thought, well, it just. It just doesn't go any like he doesn't really need to do this anymore because what he needs to do is this, 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 and this, you know. Mm -hmm. So it did help. And then I went back to linear. <laughs> I was like, I need to go, you know, I need to bring him through because I like like holding the hands of the character. But I think mm -hmm. it's a great thing to have another name for people that they don't feel like they have to be plotters or discovery, right? It just, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I, yeah, and I think just back off the back of what you've just said there about your own experience, I think that's wonderful for people to hear so that they realize there is no formulaic way of doing this. There's no one set way. Right. And even when you find your process, it might take two, three, four books for you to really understand your own process. Um, and you, most of the time you write in the way that your process has evolved but there are times where there's exceptions and just like you I've had that moment when one of my books I got to the halfway point and then I had no idea what happened next I couldn't figure out how am I going to get to the, the end of the second half so very similarly to you I went to the end and I wrote the end but then I just wrote backwards and joined oh, it up cool. in the middle <laughs> nice. I, don't know, I don't know why but for that particular story that was the method that worked yeah. Um, best in that so nothing is absolutely set in stone and that's why it's great to know about how other people write and ideas might come to you when you're feeling stuck and then you can go oh yeah I remember Kat said that she'd go to the climax and write that and that can unlock a lot yeah. of the the steps in between yeah so it's pretty, I think it's important for people to know that you find your own process but within that process because you're an artist 
there will be uh, variations within that as well. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things like going back to scene structure or outline. I mean, Lewis is awesome about outlining. um, And I've read his books. They're really great. And I'm trying to be more of a putting my ideas down. I'm not sure you can call them outlines. (laughs) Still, I'm a bit, you know, I'm, I'm not very conscientious. If you read my, my, a uh, chapter on characters I go into the personality. So I'm not very conscientious. I'm very disorganized. I'm like my world, I know where everything is. I'm one of those people. I know where it is, but no one else knows where it is. Because <laughs> it doesn't make sense to anyone else. Um, so that's like low conscientiousness. I'm not very organized. Well, well, let's, let's talk about that because your chapter is great. And you, yeah. um, a few of us commented on how you've brought a new perspective into that and a new oh. way of looking at your character development and how you even at the very beginning, how you approach who this person is going to be. Yeah. Well, and you know, <laughs> that all came out of that book I was trying to to write last year, which I'm pretty sure I will be calling Bended Loyalty. But as anyone's listening to the podcast, it's changed like five times. So we'll see. <laughs> but you know, it was trying to find that character because I had taken him out of another book, which I was going to write a pretty straightforward romance, you know, her, his perspective and decided he needed a whole book and thought that that would be easy. So let's just get that out of the way. It's not easy (laughs) how much we fool ourselves. Um, And realizing at one point that he had no personality. And that's a killer. Like he's not, no one's going to read a book with, you know, he was just like, I I started seeing him as very victimish and and whiny. And that's like, no good, you know, so throw it out. We don't want to read that. But yeah, how, nobody wants um, to read that. <laughs> no, they don't. And but how intuitive of you to kind of um notice that and because not you know, it's hard to the characters that we create, it's hard mm. for us to be objective about them and admit that if they're not working, oh, something's got to change or we scrap them. Right. So I think it's credit to you that you are professional enough to kind of say, I don't feel this is working. I feel I need to change things up. Well, I feel I feel like it's it's been enough books that I um, he's sort of looking at me like him as a person hasn't changed, you know, in my head. Um, he's like, just come on, <laughs> like make me a little bit more. And I think that goes, I mean, I really struggled with the needs and the wants and the desires last year of getting that right with him because creating a male character who doesn't understand himself and is a bit lost and needs to learn to make full decisions for himself, I found really difficult because of not making him tip into the victimhood whiny person. And I definitely, you know, don't want, don't want readers to be like, oh gosh, (laughs) they don't want that. For some reason, I think we're still sort of with the sexes. We have less um, patience for that in a male character. You know, we kind of have these inward expectations of what they should be doing. Um, yeah, and we want them to have agency, don't we? We want them yeah. to be, even if they are, they can be whiny and they can be, but yes. they've got to have, be doing something about it. And, right. and um, even if it's to act in a victim way. Yes. yes. <laughs> and just yes. amplify it. <laughs> yeah, and so I think taking taking those which we know our our characters should have a want, they should have a goal, you know, in which the plot sort of interrupts. They should have a desire. They should have a moral, um, a moral need. Like they're not 
within their own world and their own moral structure, they're not quite hitting the mark there. Otherwise, there's no story. You know, I mean, we are all, we're all living our lives. Our characters live on, you know, in our heads a lot of times, you know, but we're only writing the story about one particular event in their life, right? Like a memoir is not a biography. A memoir is about a particular point, right? That's why they're a little more fun to read. Um, biographies are only for famous people. <laughs> the rest of us are like, and I made breakfast again. So I looked into <laughs> personalities because I love personalities. It helped me understand myself and my husband because we are like opposites. And I thought, okay, here's the problem. He He's this and this and this personality. And therefore he would only make this decision. You know, the like what he wants is this father figure in his life. So what is he going to choose then? He's going to think is he your has agency. Or your character? <laughs> My character. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what? <laughs> My husband. <laughs> but my character, you know, he's he thinks he's making decisions, but what he's really doing is create is is accommodating everyone else, right? By like, he's a people pleaser and he wants, he doesn't know that, but I know that because I did personality tests for him and made sure that he would make the correct decisions and then made sure that he would grow that way. And so I, I wanted to write the the chapter to give another tool to writers because there is a little bit more sometimes to creating that personality because you're creating them out of thin hair. <laughs> like it's just a person that doesn't exist and they have to be a certain way. And I don't know about you, but I've read a couple books. And my mother, especially ever since she retired, she reads a lot. And she'll come to me and be like, why did this author do this? And why did this author do that? And she came to me quite a few times. I'm like, the characters didn't make the decisions they would have made. And so she was very adamant about it. And so I looked into these books. And I'm convinced now that what happened is the author didn't really look into how human personality is and how we might become more balanced in our personality, you know, no longer freak out um, at our kid coming home five minutes later, whatever it is, and we'll be more balanced about things. But really, we don't change that much. We just become more balanced. Mm -hmm. And so when we're talking about change, we'll have our characters just have a 180 degree change on us. And it just doesn't feel right. And the reader doesn't know why. Mm -hmm. Because they're not a geek like me and study <laughs> mythology and human anthropology, you know, but but you get it. Like you've I'm sure you've read a book where you're just like, I just don't think they would do that. Like mm -hmm. I don't see why they would it's not satisfying. And we don't mm -hmm. it's that feeling. But I want to give writers the ability to to the best of their ability, because I'm even I don't do it 100% of the time perfectly, right? But to the best of our ability, not have the reader leave unsatisfied. Like we want a satisfied reader. Yeah, yeah. It's such a strange choice of word, isn't it? Satisfied. We do talk that <laughs> is the jargon that's used, that your reader is satisfied. It makes it sound so <laughs> unexciting, doesn't it? <laughs> well, David Gawker makes it exciting. It's like they they shut the book and they they light their cigarette, cigarette as though it's, it's like a post-orgasm. Post <laughs> That's much better. That's much better. <laughs> it's a nice, nicer, you know, view. Um, but yeah, you don't want them shutting the book halfway through because yeah. the, the person did something else. So this book, Launchpad, The Countdown to Writing Your Book, is really trying to help the writer write the book or edit the book, I guess, if they're, you know, I'll be using it for edit as well, 
so that the the reader leaves satisfied, right? That mm-hmm. that's really yeah. the the whole point that we're trying to help people with. Yeah. So you find the way um, to best put the story on the page. Yeah. So what do I mean when I say that? I mean that often as writers, we have this vision in our head, we picture it in our mind, and we 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 have that cursive knowledge. We know it so so well that we forget that the person reading the book doesn't know what's going on in our brain and we Mm. tend to skim over things and we um I see this time and again especially with scenes that are difficult that we speed through them and Mm. in actual fact the bit that's missing is is the bit that we want to read that's where all the juicy stuff happens that difficult conversation or that moment of doubt that your character has and then mm-hmm. that's where they get to think through the change that they are going to be making over the course of the novel. And we see that that happened on the page, not just just that one day they do something different. And as you were saying, Kat, then we go, huh? Wait a minute, why right. have they done that? But rather that we see that slowly evolve over, over the course of the story. And one of the ways that we're helping people do that is with the chapter of show and tell by the amazing Heather Davis. I just love this was just eye-opening for me in so, so many ways. We all hear that phrase, show, don't tell. And we we have it in, drilled into <laughs> us. We've seen it everywhere. There's memes everywhere. But none of us actually know what it means. <laughs> and we're mm-hmm. sort of hazarding a guess. And we think, well, what does, if I'm showing, then I'm showing the entire room that this person is in, every detail of the room. But actually, what I... What Heather helps us realize is that we do get to show key moments, key things that are in right. that room, but we also need to tell the the reader what's going on and predominantly tell them what's happening inside your character. So the show element of it is the kind of external stuff of what's going on out in the outside world, but the telling element of it is what is the internal dialogue going in within within your character's head. And that's what we put on the page. We tell our reader what the the character is thinking so that the reader can keep up with the thought process. Why are they making the decisions that they're making? What's running through their head to make them decide this is the this is the action I'm going to take next? And that is something I see again and again and again in new writers. And I hold my hand up here that this absolutely definitely me in those early days. And when I work with my coach and she reads my pages, she says to me, you haven't put it on the page, Emma, you've got to put it on the page. So it's something that we still do even further down the line, even when we've got more experience. Um, We've got to be vigilant for that. And Heather gives us some great ways of 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 doing that for ourselves sort of catching ourselves not putting it on the page right I, I mean it's one of those catchphrases that we hear a lot and then we have to like sort of scramble to figure out what everyone else is talking about you know especially as new writers like I feel like I should know this um and the truth is nobody knows what they're talking about half the time because <laughs> I've it, she's Heather's not the first person I've heard f- frustrated with this and saying actually you do have to tell and if you pick up a book that's well-written that you love, there's telling in it because mm-hmm. it's impossible for a reader to just intuitively know everything. And a lot of times what we'll do is show what everyone's doing. But um, I was talking to Edit L and she was, I say Edit L <laughs> because that's what her Instagram handle is. <laughs> uh, but she was talking about, then she gets a lot of, um, new writers especially, but even seasoned writers, 
telling, you know, what the body language and movement of the person is or like, but that can mean different things too. Eyes widening can be in surprise. It can be in fear. It can be like, you know, a grimace or a half smile could be mocking. It could be pain. It could be, you know, so now you're getting into this weird thing where you're trying to show, but the reader could be receiving that information in such a different way. And so mm-hmm. there are times in which you do have to tell the reader what these these movements or things mean to the mm-hmm. character. So, so yeah, we can go like way off balance on that, right? <laughs> way over. I won't tell anything. It's like, well, then nobody understands what your book is about and or only tell and not show. So it's all about balance, isn't it? Yeah, totally. All about balance. You need both in order to paint that full picture for your for your reader. Yeah, I think that's beautifully put. I'm thinking about, yeah, a manuscript that I've been looking at recently and um, some lovely description in there, but it's all description. And so I don't know what's um, what the character's thinking, why right. they're doing. Yeah, the, the author needs to tell me or the character needs to tell me right. why they're going to go and throw someone out the house or why they're going to lock <laughs> the door or what, you know what makes them think that action will help them and get them what they where yeah. they want to be in that scene. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it goes back to what we said in the beginning. We need to understand the rules. You know, we need to understand what this means and really um what was the Russian writer that we all claim said this? He didn't Chekhov. actually say Chekhov. I'm like, it's a CH. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say that. What he said is, don't tell me the moon is beaming. Tell, you know, show me that it's glinting off of the piece of broken glass. I'm like, so he he didn't even make this hard, fast rule that we've made into a hard, fast rule, you know, like we've just taken it so far. But again, we need to know the rules. If you want to mm-hmm. break the rules, we need to understand mm-hmm. them, you know, I wish we would stop talking in jargon. And I think that this um, book, Launchpad, The Countdown to Writing Your Book, is really going to help break down that jargon so that new and seasoned writers can be like, that's what everyone means. Okay, I'm just going to do it. (laughs) And just be empowered to write the best book that they can. And we have been very careful in the book where we have used terminology that is specific to the writing world that especially if we've, it's been used in a shortened way, like POV or WIP. We have made been very careful to make sure that we're telling people what those phrases mean, so that if you are new to them, it's one you've not come across before, then now you will. You'll, you'll have that. You'll be yes. part of the jargon too. You'll be able to use it comfortably. <laughs> you won't have to go, go Google it. Because I think sometimes we do forget there are new people, but there are also people outside of America or the UK, you know, we might have our own English jargon and there's, there's people all the time coming into this business from different languages and different countries. And I had to look up whip at one point in my, in my writing career. I remember specifically being like, what? (laughs) Yeah. And it took me a long time. I, it's funny you you talk about jargon. I do remember there being a time where I kept you know um I'm just trying to think of, of of one that there would have been now I'm thinking about James Scott Bell who I love I love his writing he would talk about these doorways and um, I was like, oh gosh okay what are the do- I've not come across that before what are doorways is this something I should know it took me a long time to realize that he was talking about the break between act one and two and then between two and three oh, yeah, I other people just that. call them act breaks 
<laughs> he had to call them doorways. <laughs> yeah. So everybody, there's a lot of writers come out with their own jargon, which I know from experience can be confusing when you're you're brand new to this. Right. So we do not do that in the book. We use uh, very standard phrases that you will find just about everywhere. And um, we do definitely make sure that we we explain what they are uh, and write them out in full so people know. Wonderful. But Kat, I want to just jump back. So you said you started the next uh, manuscript. Yes, because it's a duology. So I'm bringing it out at the same time. Yeah. So it has to be finished. You are on fire right now. It was oh, worth all we that work see. you put in last year. It was because now he appears in the next book. So he better he better have a personality. He's got to woo the girl, you know. Um, yeah, it was completely worth it. Completely worth it. I wish that this book had been out, the Launchpad book had been out, but I'm still in editing, so I can still use it. Um, but actually, you know, working with him did force me to really look into characters. And so I am grateful for the all the trouble my per, my character put me through. All the, all the agony. Another chapter I do want to make sure yes, that we mention. Let's talk about it. Is um is Stacy's chapter, Stacy Juba's yes. chapter on grammar and punctuation. Yes. Um now for some of you listening, this will be easy for you. It will be something that you get, you understand, makes logical sense to you, and you might not need this chapter, although I still think it's worth looking at. But there are other people like me putting my hand up, um, for whom this is not natural, for whom this is not um sort of run-of-the-mill and we miss things and uh, forget as well you know we might do punctuation and grammar one way in one chapter and then we kind of forget that we've adopted that style in the next <laughs> and do it differently Stacy's chapter is she's such a wonderful teacher she has made what could be a very dry topic not dry um, yeah. she's explained things in really simple easy ways and given and she does this with everything that she does Stacy gives fantastic examples and highlights very clearly what you put where and why you put it there and um <laughs> I've been cheating and using this chapter a lot even before it's been published I'm I can't wait for this chapter <laughs> I'll probably print it out <laughs> and using it a lot and that it was one of the chapters I was very adamant about having in because it is something that I do find tricky and I do uh sort of and it's I, I'd rather get it right first time when I'm drafting mm. if I can then then have to go through a whole manuscript and make those teeny tiny changes through the whole thing, which is so tedious. Um, so if I can learn to get these things right and just take two seconds to go and look at Stacey's chapter, uh, know what I need to do and then come back and put it in my draft as I'm going through it, as I'm writing it, um, that just makes my life so, so much easier. And I don't think the other books have these things. I don't remember right. ever seeing a craft book that includes this. Yes, there are whole books on style guides and punctuation and things, but I don't want to look through a whole Who wants book. to read that? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So this is just for writers. This is what we writers need to put right. for our books. And then done. And we I, just need one chapter. I love how... Un judgmental she is is that a word she's not judgmental at all Stacey she really she knows this like the back of her hand she knows grammar she understands it and yet she completely understands that it's almost a misnomer to call us writers we're storytellers like we're not grammarians and I swear grammar has changed since they taught it to me in fifth grade because I put commas 
where everyone says I shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I specifically remember a teacher telling me every time you take a breath, well, that's like all the time. (laughs) At first I had commas everywhere. There are specific um, rules and it would, it really does make it so much easier to do it from the beginning. And it's nicer to not get that much read back on your manuscript (laughs) because it's hard to do this. It's hard to get your manuscript out to the editor and have it back and just like, do I know anything? Like, as you said, with our mindset. So just knowing specific rules and having a guideline for them, it's just, it's empowering and it feels good to get the comma where it should. <laughs> yeah. Yay. And she's highlighted the sort of uh, the 10 most common mistakes that she sees and you mentioned mindset again there so just by having the 10 most common and that she can identify those tells me that other people are making these right. errors as well I'm not alone so that helps yes. my mindset as well it helps my uh, confidence yes. keep going <laughs> absolutely this is like this book has everything it's upping our confidence <laughs> so where where can people find Launchpad the countdown to writing your book so you can find it in all the usual places. It's um, Barnes and Noble, Amazon. Um, where else is it? Kobo, Apple. It's in wherever you buy your books, you will find it. It is out wide for everybody. And is it ebook and print? It is ebook and print. Yes. Okay. And the countdowns is, is that a whole separate workbook or is it within the book? Like, do they have to buy two different things? Haha. So no, the countdowns. I'm so glad you mentioned this, Kat. So if um, anybody wants to sort of get a feel for um, the the book and one of the countdowns, you can download Kat's top 10 uh, nice. countdown for free. And we'll put the link. I can't remember off the top of my head. Can we put the link in for Yeah, that? we'll put the link in the show notes. Absolutely. Um, so that'll give you a flavor for what you will be learning. And then... Um, if you buy the book at the back, there is a special link and it will take you to a resources, a special resources place. And there's some bonus downloads, which does include okay. um, downloadable top tens so that you can print them out and put them wherever you need them to be handy. Awesome. Um, but there's also some uh, more details about all of the contributors. There's also a resources page where you can find out more um, on any particular topic that you're interested in, um, including things like podcasts, blog posts, um, YouTube channels all kinds of places that are going to kind of help you take things to the next level if you need it awesome um so you can get those bonuses as a special code in the book there for that but it's just it's a wonderful wonderful resource I'm so proud of it yeah I'm so delighted to have been um, participating in it and being able to work with all these amazing writers and I genuinely believe we have a phenomenal resource for not just new writers but maybe writers too who are just looking to jump start their writing again and just mm-hmm. need to get their mojo back and this book will help you do that yes absolutely thank you so much emma for coming and talking to us about launchpad the countdown to writing your book it's always great to see you yes and you thank you Hey, you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. 
If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.